to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy ADD right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for everyone who is coming online thus far and hope you guys are having a fantastic Wednesday in the name of the Lord. we got a jam-packed show for you on this morning. Uh, we're going to be talking to you guys about a fact that the three-year cruise was canceled. Uh, so hopefully these people will get their money back after this cruise line um, that they decided that they you know, didn't have a boat in order to get these people on so that they can go on the cruise for three whole years um, and the ramifications of that. We're also going to talk about um, how sometimes in relationships we can want things to go our way so badly that we can't see that we have the victory staring us right in, the, in our faces because we want things to go our way instead of going the right way. Um, we're going to talk about one judge who decided instead of putting kids in prison, he decided to give them jobs and created a ranch um, so that way they'd be able to have, um, they'd be able to be more productive in society rather than being uh, um, a feeder system into a bigger prison once they get older. Uh, but first we're going to piggyback off of a question that was asked on yesterday in regards to how we as believers don't need a book in order to know God. And so we want to give a more robust answer to that question on today. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to drop down in the comment box below and, and hit us up uh, with any questions that you may have. Uh, we just ask that you continue, just, just please keep it classy. And toward the end of the show, if we, if time permits, we will go back through the comment section and answer any questions that you guys put in that comment box and so again we're just certainly thankful that we are able to be amongst your presence on today um and we're going to start off with a word of prayer and then we're going to jump into our show for this morning most gracious heavenly father we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence we thank you god that you thought it not robbery to give us this opportunity to be able to worship you in spirit and truth we're asking lord god that every word that is said on today let it be all of you and none of me Every word that's said, every prayer that's prayed, every question that's answered on today, Lord God, may it be a testament to your goodness, to your kindness, to your grace, and to your mercy. Lord God, we're thankful for this show. We're thankful for this opportunity to just um, commune one with another as the body of believers um, on today. Lord God, may we say something that will edify the souls of the saints and will help someone who doesn't have a walk with you grow curious about you and want to know more about you, Lord God. Uh, we ask um, that you just be with us all in a mighty and powerful way. Continue to strengthen us where we are weakened. Build us up where we are torn down. Continue to uh, just, you know, just, na just navigate our lives and help us to, to stay anchored in your peace, in your joy, and in your love. And we thank your son, Jesus Christ, who made all of this possible by living a life that we couldn't live, dying the death that we deserved, rising again in conquering hell, and ascending into heaven and coming back to get us one day, then thereby securing our righteousness with you and securing our path to peace towards you. And Lord God, we'll be so careful to give your name all praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. All right. So, um, yesterday a question was asked during um during our chat moment um last um in our last conversation in our in our yesterday's episode, and the question was asked um how um, do you need a book to know God? And the simple and the simple answer to that question is no. We don't need a book to know God. We know God to know God. And as a backdrop, we want to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which tells us that, you know, in order for us to know who God is, we have to have the Lord in our lives. It's th- it says to us, starting, at, um, starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number um, 7, um, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural man does not not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. If we go into John, in the book of John, Jesus gives these words to his uh, disciples, telling them, that in order for them to understand who God is, they must have a relationship with God. And in having a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit is going to inhabit them. And the Holy Spirit then will teach them all truth. He says to them, make sure I'm in the right place because he talks about the Spirit about four or five times. Um... Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? He says, if you love me, in John chapter 14, starting at verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In verse 25, he continues, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so what we have to, what we, so the question again was asked, do we need a book to know God? And the simple, the simple answer to that question is no, 
We don't need a book to know God. We need God to know God. Because you can devour all 66 books of this Bible. All 66 books. You can know Genesis through Revelation like the back of your hand. You can, you can know every verse of every chapter of every book in this, in, this, um, in this script and still miss Jesus. Still miss God. You have a lot of people who have gone to college, who've gotten degrees, you know, they've gotten bachelors, masters, doctorates, on top of doctorates in divinity, in biblical scholarship, you know, they teach in the universities, and yet some of these scholars' hearts are so far away from God. They know everything about the scriptures. They know the history of the scriptures. They know, you know, where the scriptures were originally written, where they were found, the, all where all the manuscripts are. They've seen manuscripts face to face, and yet they still don't know God. And the reason they don't know God is because God had um, either God has not yet revealed himself to them or they have outright rejected God in one way, shape or form um, when it comes to having a relationship with him. In order to know God, you have to know God. You need the Lord in order to have in order to know him. He says to us that salvation is a gift. It's not something that we can earn. It's not something that we can gain. It's not something that we can, that we can, that we can, um, that we can, that we can, you know, that we can rise up in the ranks to have. We need the Lord in order to have a relationship with the Lord. Now, as God inhabits our hearts, he will lead us into the truth of the scriptures. And so the relationship that we have with the scriptures is such to where as we are, you know, as we are wooed by God, wooed by the spirit, he leads us into the scriptures. And so the scriptures lead us to God, which then leads us to the scriptures, which leads us to God, which leads us to the scriptures, which leads us to God, which leads us to the scriptures, which leads us to God. And so the relationship of the word of God is such to where it's always leading us into further relationship. And so we don't need the scriptures to know God, but we need the scriptures to know God. It's one of the great paradoxes of our faith, where in order for us to have a relationship with the Lord, God has to do that work. We won't, we won't just merely have a relationship with him just because we know scriptures. We need the God of the scriptures to have a relationship with us. But once he has a relate, once he, you know, inhabits our hearts and fills us with his spirit, there is a longing, there is a yearning to get into this word. It's no longer about just trying to memorize text. It's no longer trying to find bullet points in order to be able to argue with people, but rather it's about deepening our relationship with him. And so we're constantly going from God to scripture, to God to scripture, to God to scripture. And as we read our scriptures, not only are we looking at the words, but we're actually beginning to discern God's voice. Somebody once said it like this, or said, or said, or asked a question in this way. How do I know that I'm doing the will of God? That, um, and how do I know that I'm hearing God's voice? And the answer was, 
if you read your scriptures, you will be able to pick out what God's voice sounds like because God will always sound like what he said in his scriptures. If you're looking to see if it's God speaking to you, God will never not sound like the scriptures. He will always sound like what he wrote. And so the more that we get to know God, the more we get to know his text, the more we get to know his voice, and we continue in this cycle of knowing Jesus, knowing the word, knowing Jesus, knowing the word, knowing Jesus, knowing the word. And we come to realize, as he says in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so as we are devouring text, as we're devouring, you know, the scriptures, we get to know who Jesus is because Jesus is the scroll. From Genesis to Revelation, we see Jesus everywhere. We see Jesus all throughout Genesis, all throughout Exodus, all throughout Leviticus, on and on and on, to where we're getting to know God. Jesus said it himself to the um, to the Pharisees. He said, you look, you search the scriptures, talking about the Old Testament that they had at the time, you search the scriptures as if you will find, you know, you'll find life in them. But all the scriptures are pointing to me. And I am life. And so, again, it's not enough just to know the book. We have to know the God of the book. And only God can do that work of allowing us to know him so that then we can rightly, we can rightly divide this word of truth as we are deepening our relationship with God. Furthermore, um, in, in, the, in, the, in this concept of needing a book to know God, we have to remember from Genesis to probably, I mean, probably about good Matthew-ish. None of the people of the none of the people of our early of our early days had a book by which they were being guided by to know who God is. If you look at Noah, if you look at Moses, if you look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. None of those people had a book that was guiding them on how to have a relationship with the Lord. All of them were being guided by God himself. They had a relationship with God that superseded any book, superseded any scroll. Joshua didn't have a book. He had the law, but he didn't have, the, he didn't have historical texts. So he wasn't reading from Genesis. He wasn't reading from Exodus. He wasn't reading from Leviticus. He wasn't reading from Numbers. He wasn't reading from Deuteronomy. David and those boys, none of them had the prophets. All they had was God and the law at the time. As Isaiah was prophesying and Ezekiel was prophesying and, and Daniel was prophesying, their, their books hadn't been written. They're, 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 the, the books that we have, they weren't written in their time. All they had was what they had, and they and and in what they had, they had a deep relationship with God that God had orchestrated by him by himself. There was no script, there was no text, there was no scroll that they were looking at to have a relationship with God. Furthermore, when you look at the time that Jesus was was in existence. If you really sit and look at how he talked with and how he dealt with his disciples, how often was he sitting down and having Bible study with them? 
He wasn't having Bible study a lot of times with the with these people. He wasn't going back and saying, "Well, let's go, let's go and study." You know, um, Eze you know Ezekiel chapter five, because one one the, the 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 chapters and the verses weren't even added to these scrolls till way in the twelfth and the fifteenth centuries, way after Jesus is gone. And two, because he himself was the Word, and so again, well, again, you know, this idea that you have to have a book, it it simply is not so. Furthermore, you know, most of the people when they became, you know, when they became Christians and things like that, you know, they searched the Old Testament scriptures in order to prove like the Bereans did. But more often than not, people were getting a relationship with God through word of mouth. They weren't looking at books in order to have in order to gain a relationship with God. Now, as Paul started writing his letters, Peter started writing his letters and and the like. People started getting those letters and they were copying them and circulating them and copying them and circulating them. But we got to remember, our 66 books weren't canonized until the third century. And so, again, I'm saying all that to say I am not I'm not suggesting that we not read our Bibles. I'm not suggesting that there's no power in the word. The, the scriptures say it themselves. Thy word have I hid in my heart. That I might not sin against you. And the scriptures are good for reproving, for correcting, for the building up of the kingdom. And the scripture is God breathed. The spirit throughout 40 different authors and in, 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 in 66 books over the span of two millennia. This is how we got what we got. And so by the grace of God, we have this text. We have this book that leads and guides us into all that leads us and guides us in truth. And we need the Lord. We need the Lord more than we need the scriptures in so much that we can't even interpret the scriptures rightly without him. We can't even dig into this word the way he would have us to dig into this word without him, without the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. It's why we tell each other all the time. We don't spend, we don't spend a whole lot of time getting into arguments and disagreements with people who don't agree with us. Because unless you have a relationship with the Lord, you will never understand these scriptures. You will never understand what it is that God is trying to, what God has revealed to us. Because we literally need the Lord in our lives in order to rightly divide this word of truth. And so, again, we, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a duality. It's a, it's a paradoxical relationship where in order for us to know who Jesus is, you know, it would behoove us to know some scripture. But in order for us to know who Jesus is, we have to have a relationship with Jesus first. And as we have a relationship with Jesus, as he takes the scales off of our eyes and allows us to truly see who he is in the spirit, it then leads us to, um, to the word. And as it leads us to the word, we are now further led to him, which leads us into the word, which leads us into him, which leads us into the word, which leads us into him. And it goes on and on and on and on and on in a never ending deepening of our relationship to him. And so, again, it's not to say we don't need the scriptures. I didn't. That's not what I'm saying. So I don't want any. Like somebody got on yesterday. It was like you. You. I can't get on. I can't stay on here because you know you. You ain't teaching. You ain't teaching right. You gotta teach it through the scripture. You gotta teach it through the text. 
and you know, and and and, and so you gotta you gotta provide you know scriptural background and things. And I understand, you know, some people feel like you know we out we just be out here just talking just to be talking. But I too also firmly believe that if the word is in your heart, if your word if the word is in your heart, then yes, you can point people to scriptures all day long but can you say the scriptures regardless of where they came from because again at the end of the day spirit knows spirit spirit knows spirit nevertheless because I'm getting off topic nevertheless um, you know we need the scriptures but we need Jesus first we need the scriptures but we need Jesus first because only through Christ can we rightly divide the word of truth. And so, again, you can know a whole lot of texts. You can, hold, you can know Genesis through Revelation. You can have a degree on top of a degree on top of a degree when it comes to this Bible. But at the end of the day, unless you are born again, unless you have a bona fide relationship with Jesus Christ, you cannot rightly divide these scriptures. If we often wonder why people are able to just rip scriptures apart and make them say whatever they want to say, chances are they either have a weak or non-existent relationship with Jesus. Where they're just ripping it apart and let, making it say whatever they wanted to say rather than allowing Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit to speak for themselves. And so again, we're saying all that to say, if we have a relationship with the Lord, if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it will help us to have a deepened relationship with the scriptures. So we're not saying you don't need the scriptures. That is not what I'm saying. We need this word. This word is our lead, or is, is a lead, a guide, the literal word of God, the voice of God. It's through these texts. But we need the Lord in order to hear his voice through the texts. We need the Lord in order to rightly discern the things that are spiritual because God is spirit and we need the Lord in order for us to have these things revealed to us so that we can live out the life that he wants us to live according to the word that he gave us and so again I say all that to say you know I am in no way trying to discount the scriptures at all so don't come on here and be like hey you ain't teaching scriptures that is, that's not the truth. But we need the Lord more than we need the scriptures. Jesus himself said that. You, you look to scriptures as if there's life in them. But the scriptures are pointing to me. Again, we look to scripture as if we will find life in them. But every single word from Genesis to Revelation is pointing to the Savior, which is what we really need, which is who we really need. And so, no, we don't need a book to know God. God can, can talk to any of us at any given time. Whether we know him or not, whether we've read a scripture or not, God can come and, and, and speak to us at any given time and show us who he is and reveal to us who he is, however he chooses to do so. Again, ask Moses, burning bush. He had no scriptures to back that up. You know, ask Abraham, 
you know, go to another land that you don't know, and that's gonna be the land where your um where your ancestors where your um your descendants are gonna number the stars. He didn't have no book leading him in that direction. Abraham, go sacrifice your um go sacrifice your son. Don't know nothing about Jesus coming. Don't know nothing about oh my son is gonna be representative of the sacrificial lamb that's gonna be representative of Jesus Christ in in the in the days to come. He had no text to go by. All he had was a relationship with the Lord. That's all he had. So again, I'm not suggesting that we don't know our scripture and that our scriptures are not good for us to to deepen our relationship with him. But I'm saying that God can create a relationship with anybody at any given time. And so rather than try to give a formulaic approach to how God will, will address his people, let God be God, and he decides who he wants in, who he wants out, and how he makes that happen. If all a person knows is Jesus saves, and God can God uses those two words to bring somebody into the kingdom, get out of his way. Get out of his way. Let's not put God in a box and assume that you got to shove a bunch of word down somebody's throat in order for them to have a relationship with the Lord because that's not how God works. It's relationship then if he so decides. Because, again, I got, you know, I knew a whole bunch of scripture, still didn't know the Lord. Not, 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 especially not how I know him now. I was preaching, you know, 2004, but I didn't have a real relationship with, with the Lord until 2014, 10 years later. And so, again, you can know a lot of scripture, but still miss Jesus. Know a whole lot of text, but still miss Christ. And so, again, I say all that to say, we, the people of God, have to be careful that we are not, you know, that we are not, you know, believing that in order to know the, in order to know the Lord, you have to get it from the book. That's not necessarily so. Again, it is a paradoxical duality where God and the word are intertwined one with another. And as God, you know, brings us into a relationship with him, we then, you know, get into this word and it brings us closer to God, that brings us into the word, that brings us closer to God, that brings us into the word, and it goes on and on and on and on in a cycle. And so again, um, to anyone who's listening, if you have been, you know, been, been convinced that you have to know a whole bunch of scripture in order to know the Lord, it's not so. It's not so. God will ransom his people how he chooses to. And again, don't you... There, I was wondering where God was trying to take me with that. So let us then not be lazy in our devotion time when it comes to studying the scriptures. Just because God doesn't... We don't, we don't need a book to know, to know God. Because again, God's going to do that work. But it should produce in us a yearning and a desire to get into the word. It should produce a longing, a craving to get into the word. Because again, this is what God has given us in order to know him more. It should produce a desire and a yearning 
to dig into other types of books, like the book that we finished yesterday, um, you know, Gods at War, or Not a Fan, or The Explicit Gospel, or any number of books that I have on my bookshelf, The End of Me, Gospel, Urban Apologetics, Everybody Always, The Prayer That Turned the World Upside Down. Like, there are so many different books, um, di di different books that God produces a yearning for us to be able to, um, in order to have a deeper relationship with him. And so we, the people of God, have to be, you know, there should be a, pr a produced yearning to dig into the word, to dig into the text, to dig into the scriptures, to dig, to become, to get more and more in, entangled and engrossed in him. And so again, to read, to, to kind of recap, because I see my girl Asha on there saying she's confused. The question was asked yesterday, do we need a book to know God? And throughout biblical history, we can see that God shows up who to whomever he chooses to show up with, and none of them had the scriptures when they when God showed up to them. So we're talking Abraham, Moses, um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, you know, Joshua, David, none of them had the 66 books when God showed up and showed up in their lives. When, and so we so we're so we're again we're saying we need God in order to have a relationship with God because even if we know all 66 books of the Bible we can still miss Jesus after having all 66 books memorized Jesus himself said again as a recap you search the scriptures as if there's life in them but life is found in me Jesus and these things can only be spiritually discerned. And so, no, we don't need a book to know God. We need God to know God. And the more that God, when God reveals himself to us, when we become saved, when we become, you know, when we repent and believe, then our relationship to God deepens our relationship with the scriptures. But again, we, we don't need the scriptures to know God in that initial wake-up. We need God to do that. Because, again, you can know all 66 books and still miss Jesus. Again, it's not to say, let's put this Bible down and just let God just come and, and rain upon me. No. If we have a relationship with the Lord, it's going to drive us into, our, into a relationship with the Scriptures. Because, again, we want to hear the voice of God. And we want this, and the voice of God comes through the scriptures. You know, we want to understand the things of God. It comes through the scriptures. But again, we have to be careful that we don't think that if I memorize all 66 books, that means I have a relationship with the Lord, because it doesn't. You have a lot of, again, collegiate um, scholars who know the Bible better than all of us combined, have got degrees on top of degrees on top of degrees. They know biblical history better than us, and yet their hearts are so far from God. And so again, it's a paradoxical duality, where as God initially brings us in, it drives us to understand the scriptures, which drives us to know God more, which drives us to know the scriptures, that drives us to know God, drives us to know the scriptures, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. And so again, saying all that to say, one more again, in order for us to understand the scriptures, 
We need the Lord in our lives. And so the first thing we need is a relationship with the Lord. Long before we need a relationship with the scriptures. Now, for most of us, we learned the scriptures before we had a relationship with God. But that is not a one-size-fits-all for every person. Because again, Jesus saves is enough to get a person into the kingdom. And so for some of us, we grew up in church, got plenty of scripture in our belts, but we didn't become saved until way later in our lives. Whereas for others, they never got the chance to go to church, never got the chance to really hear scriptures be read, you know, scriptures be read, and they don't have any scriptures memorized, but they know the Lord. Somebody said something to them. Much like how the disciples said something to people in the days of old, much like how God spoke to Abraham, spoke to Isaac, spoke to Jacob, spoke to Joseph. None of those boys had the scriptures to go by. All they had was a relationship with God. And so again, we're saying all that to say the duality between the scriptures and God is a paradoxical duality because we need God to know the scriptures, to know God, to know the scriptures, to know God, to know the scriptures, to know God, to know the scriptures, to know God. And so we're not saying you don't need the scriptures. But what we're saying is you first need God. Because without God, you cannot rightly divide or discern the scriptures. And so, again, we, the people of God, have to be careful that our relationship with God is, is, is the uppermost because we need him to rightly divide the word of truth. As it says in 1 Corinthians, these things that God has shown us in this word, these things have been spiritually discerned. For had the Pharisees known who Jesus was through the spirit, they never would have crucified him. And again, Pharisees knew the scriptures of the Old Testament better than anybody. And yet, in all their knowledge, they still missed Jesus. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thankful for the 3,500 likes that we've received thus far. Thank you for every like, comment, follow, and share. If you missed any part of this message or would like to listen to past episodes, you can go over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Listen to every episode from inception to now. Um, and certainly thank you guys so much for your watching on today. And um, when we come back, we're going to be talking about how a three-year a three year cruise was canceled um, at the last minute. And a lot of people are, are have ended up losing a whole lot of money as a result of that. We'll be right back in just a moment.
watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Let me write this question down real quick. Is it good to keep secrets? All right, got it. Okay. Uh, certainly thankful for the 3,500 likes that we've received thus far on the show. Keep those likes coming. Um, so... Um, on, um, I think it was last week, November 24th, um, a three-year cruise was canceled. Um, they, uh, the, uh, the story says they had signed up for the experience of a lifetime. Three years traveling the world from the comfort of a cruise ship at prices that rivaled regular living expenses. But the dream, but now the dream is over for passengers who signed up for Life at Seas Cruises inaugural three-year voyage. After weeks of silence, the company has acknowledged to passengers that it has no ship and canceled the departure, vowing to refund those who signed up for cruise for cruises costing up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. The cruise was originally due to depart Istanbul, Turkey on November 1st, but shortly before the date, departure was postponed to November 11th and relocated to Amsterdam in the Netherlands, and then to November 30th, again from Amsterdam, but on November 17th, less than two weeks before the third departure date, Passengers were informed that the cruise was off. Some of the passengers who booked the 111 cabins sold are still in Istanbul, having made their way there ahead of the original departure date. Others say they have nowhere to return, having sold or rented out their homes in anticipation of the round-the-world voyage, as well as jettisoning their possessions. Most have spent tens of thousands of dollars on what was meant to be the experience of a lifetime and now face a wait of at least several months to get their money back. The company has said it will make repayments in monthly installments starting from mid-December and completing repayments in late February. It has also offered to pay for accommodation until December 1st and flights home for anyone now stranded in Istanbul, but some say they have no homes to return to. Quote, there's a whole lot of people right now with nowhere to go, and some need their refund to even plan a place to go. It's not good for them right now, said one passenger who wished to remain anonymous until they get their promised refund. Um, Life at Sea Cruises has been planning to buy the aid out the aid aura, Ida Aura, a ship retired this summer by Ida Cruises, a Germany subsidiary of Carnival Corporation. It was due to be rechristened as the MV Lara. Uh, the company had originally slated the sale to go through by the end of September before working on the ship in dry dock in Germany, then renovating it before sailing to Istanbul to start the cruise. But after six weeks of uncertainty, during which Life at Sea repeatedly told guests that the sale was taking longer than planned, on November 16th, another company, Celestial Cruises, announced that it had bought the Ida Aura. A day later, Life at Sea's former CEO, Kendra Holmes, who had resigned days earlier, said she was not speaking on behalf of the parent company, Murray Cruises, recorded a 15-minute video for passengers, admitting that the cruise would not be going ahead. It's unclear why Holmes was chosen to make the announcement, which was provided to CNN by a passenger. She has declined to comment to CNN. And so, um, so here's the thing. Like, the, our tendency, um, well, no, 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 let me, let me, let me back up, let me back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. Um, that what happened with them reminds me of a text of scripture when Jesus told the, um, was telling the disciples to count up the cost of discipleship. As a matter of fact, 
Let me see if I can find it really quickly. Um, count the cost. Luke 14. Luke 14. I thank God for technology. Luke 14. He says in um, Luke chapter 14, starting at verse number 25, Now great crowds accompanied them, and he turned to them and said, if anyone, do, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. But which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And so the thing that people don't, that people sometimes don't understand, um, the thing that sometimes, you know, people don't understand um, is that it's, it's, it's nice to dream, but you've got to have a plan. It's nice to dream, but you got to have a plan. And what we see having happened with the cruise ship and the boat that they weren't able to secure is that if you don't plan carefully, if you don't plan carefully, then... What you end up doing, what you end up have happening, is that you have a lot of people who will end up having to pay the cost for what you haven't done, or what you haven't set, and what you haven't put in place. And for a lot of us, we kind of treat our relationship with God the same way. We don't really take into consideration what it costs to be a disciple. A lot of us, we see the highlight reels of social media. And we see people say, living my, ble my blessed life. But we don't see the behind the scenes. And so for many of us, we water down what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ and we don't consider what it is that we're really saying when we pledge Christ, when we pledge to Jesus, when we say yes to God. We don't really consider what are we saying when we say yes to the Lord. You know, we, 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 we feel as though we get to a certain point in our walk or we feel as though the whole point of, the, of our walk is to either get rich, 
get famous, get glory, or to know a whole lot of scriptures to be able to beat folk up with them because I know my Bible better than you do. We want to get into spiritual debates with one another, talking about show me the scripture to this, or show, provide me proof to that. And as a result, we're missing the depths of the relationship that God wants to have with us. We want so badly to be able to, you know, prove that we are the best Christians, but we're not really asking the real question when it comes to our discipleship. What are we really will what are we really willing to give up for the sake of Christ? Are we willing to give up our pride? Are we willing to give up our prestige? Are we willing to give up our money? Are we willing to give up our fame? Are we willing to give up, you know, the our relationships with some people if need be? Are we willing to, you know, lay, you know, our um, our arrogance aside? You know, are we, you know, are we willing to, you know, actually sit and listen rather than try to go blow to blow with people in an attempt to try to prove that I know more or, you know, show me, you know, where where things are. We as people of this, as the people of God, we don't really we don't really count up the cost of what it means to be a disciple. You had these people for this cruise ship that were re that gave up their homes. They gave up their their their, their livelihoods. They gave up their entire beings. They gave up everything that they had to get on a boat. And the boat was, never showed up. The people gave them a promise. We're going we to get this boat. We're going to be on this boat for three years. And y'all going to have a good time. And so they, they counted up the cost. Okay, it's going to cost this amount of money. Let's, let's, let's sell the house. Let's get this, get that. Get on this boat for three years. We got a whole plan in place. And now, sorry guys, cruise ain't happening. Where my money at? Um, It's coming. Eventually. They were ready to, sa they, they sacrificed their lives so that they could get on this boat. What are we, as the people of God, ready to put on the altar? Ready to put on the altar for the sake of Christ? Because for many of us, having a relationship with God, especially in the 21st century, has become reduced to just snipes and jabs. We get on our platforms and we just, we want to debate people or we make nice little platitudes about, you know, living that, you know, living that blessed life, LOL. You know, we, 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 we turn our devotion time into, you know, moments of, you know, of, of celebrityism by posting everything that we do, and we, we, we post, you know, every scripture that we read, we post every journal entry that we write, we post every time we're sipping on coffee in our quiet time with the Lord, and, and dare I say, some of us make them, them pictures super sexy, so that way we can get more likes, if we're really calling a spade a spade, but talking about, I ain't trying to be sexy, I'm just trying to show my, my, my gifts in the Lord, and so, right, you know, and so, we we rather just 
prove things rather than actually looking at our own lives and saying, God, what would you require of me? What is it that you would have for me to do? We've, re we've reduced our relationship with him to, friv to fr frivolity at this point. And it behooves us to think just like these people who wanted to get on this boat. We re we're like these people who want to get on it, who got on, who wanted to get on this boat. They sold all they had for the adventure of a lifetime. Now I ain't, and I ain't knocking it. Listen, let me find out. That I got some disposable income one day, and they doing cruises for three years. Me and my wife are gone. I can do therapy on a boat. I can do my TikTok videos on a boat. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, hey, sign me up. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not knocking it. it, it it's, it's, in fact, it is a metaphor. It is a metaphor. A metaphor for what God is trying to show us in the spirit. What are we willing to give up for the relationship of a lifetime? If these people were willing to give up all they had to get on a boat for three years, how much more are we willing to give up so that we can have the greatest treasure we could ever possess? The greatest thing that's ever happened to us. What are we willing to give up to deepen our relationship with the Lord? Are we willing to lay our pride aside to deepen our relationship with the Lord? Are we willing to, you know, give up, you know, parents or children or mom or dad? Again, it's not to say that we hate them so that we can love God. But if, it, if we have to make the choice between God and parents, we choose God. If we got to choose between God and, and spouse, we're choosing God. If we choose God and, you know, our jobs, we're choosing God. What are we willing to put on the altar? The altar of our hearts anyway. So that God can reign on the throne. Because again, far too often, we're like the Pharisees, man. We just, we just want to know scripture so we can debate. Rather than searching these scriptures so that we can deepen our relationship with the Lord. We'd rather make nice platitudes on our social media accounts. Rather than actually deepening our relationship with the Lord. And we keep plastering the same scriptures. Our scriptures ain't never changed. We're in Jeremiah 29. Or we're in Philippians chapter 4. Or we're looking at Malachi chapter 3. Or, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the one that's, uh, the, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Where it's the same recycled verses over and over and over again. Talking about I'm, I'm living my blessed life. Same platitudes. Ain't nobody ever talking about what happened in 1 Kings. Ain't nobody ever talking about the book of Leviticus when it comes to talking about, you know, some, some scripture that we're reading. <laughs> nobody ever wants to go to Revelation. And I'm talking about the middle of Revelation, not the end of Revelation. I'm talking about when all the, all the stuff is falling down all over the place. So nobody ever want to post them, te them texts. Them texts ain't inspirational. You know what I'm saying? But again, what are we willing to do? What are, what are we willing to do? In our quiet time with the Lord, are we spending time with the Lord or are we looking for another thing to post? When it comes to the things that we're doing for the Lord, are we doing them for the Lord or are we looking for another opportunity to snap a picture? Feeding the homeless, LOL. 
living that servant life. Like, what are we really doing in our walk with God? Are we doing these things for the Lord or are we doing these things for self? What are we really willing to give up for the sake of godliness? When you look at the landscape of your life, as we looked at, as we were going through the gods at war, what are we willing to give up? Excuse me. What are we really willing to give up so that we can deepen our relationship with the Lord? Because the cost of discipleship is high. Salvation is free. No doubt about that. But sanctification, discipleship, the cost is high. And we as the people of God, we have to we have to ask ourselves the question, just like these people gave up their whole livelihood so they can have the adventure of a lifetime. What are you willing to give up to have the relationship of a lifetime? Because only that which is eternal will last. Only that which is eternal will last. Only that which is eternal will last. We have to be careful that we are not like the Pharisees or the Sadducees who will pray in the streets so that people can see them, who will fast and be like, oh, I'm fasting. Oh, my God, I'm fasting. Oh, I'm being so spiritual. Or the ones who, you know, who give, but they give so that people can see them. That should not be us as the believers in God. Now, as I'm saying that, I know I'm probably being a hypocrite in that regard because, you know, all my doggone TikToks and posts and stuff, you know, so I got to check my own heart and make sure I'm doing it with the right intent, regardless of what people may think. Because um, you have some people even in here who, you know, I think Dr. John said something earlier about me just wanting to do it for show. You know, I can't help that that's what, how you perceive it. I, know, I have to know my own heart. Got to check my own heart with that. Am I doing this for show? Or am I doing this to be, you know, you know, a part, you know, to try to, you know, enhance, enhance and help the kingdom in some type of way um, through the show? That's why my prayer every day is that the show not be of me, but be of God. Because if it's of me, then it ain't going to it's not going to amount to anything. Um, but again, at the end of the day, we, the people of God, got to ask ourselves the question, you know, what am I willing to give up? What am I willing to give up for the glory of God? What am I willing to do so that I'm able to deepen my relationship with the Lord? What am I willing to, here, God, take it. There's a song that Shekinah Glory sings, um, says, yes. The, the, my favorite part of that song is, there is more that I require of you. Will your heart and soul still say yes? There's more that I require of you. So for a lot of us, you know, we're very content with a surface level, basic relationship with the Lord. And some of us, we can feel like we've been in this, this, faith, this, this faith walk long enough and we know enough scripture to where, you know, we want to sit on our platforms and debate one another. 
scripture tells us, man, don't get in an argument. Don't get in an argument with people. For what? Don't argue with folk. At the end of the day, it ain't gonna, it ain't gonna get, it ain't gonna mount to a hill of beans. I, 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 I say, I say it like this. Often is the case that people become bolder when they are distant from you. The closer they are to you, the more humble they become. So don't get in an argument with folks when it comes to these scriptures. And furthermore, we, the people of God, got to look at our t the totality of our lives and ask the question, am I truly giving up everything for the Lord? Am I willing to put everything on that altar for the Lord? Can I be like Abraham and whatever God asked me to do, I do it because he said to do it. Because if he said it, are you willing to do it for him? Again, God's word will not go out and return to him void, so he's not going to ask you to do something that would contradict his word. But are you willing to do whatever he's asking of you? Because again, you cannot be a disciple of Christ and a disciple of yourself. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thankful for the uh, 3,900 likes that we've received thus far. Thank you for every like, comment, follow, and share. Um, if you have missed any part of this message or would like to hear um, any of our past episodes, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show and listen to every episode from our inception to now. We certainly do thank you uh, so much for what you have um, for what you have um, given to us and provided for us today. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about a client um, who um, you know felt like he just had to have it his way, and so we had to remind him that just because you have you want things to go your way doesn't mean that everything is going the right way. We'll be right back in just a moment.
You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, had a client that I was talking to yesterday, you know, doing some therapy, and him and his wife uh, talked about the fact they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth all the time. It doesn't matter what they're doing, they're always arguing about something. He said one time they were arguing about how to do the dishes. You know, he wanted to do the dishes one way, she wanted to do the dishes another way, and they kept going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth about it. And he, you know, was like, I don't understand. You know, we always arguing about everything. I don't get what's going on. Maybe we shouldn't be together. Maybe we're incompatible, that sort of thing. And he kept talking, 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 talking. So I asked him, I asked him a question. I said, so what is your end game? When y'all are talking to each other, what, what do you think it is that you're looking for when y'all are communicating with each other and y'all going back and forth like this? And he said, I think we both just want to be heard. I want to be heard. I want to be acknowledged. I want to be understood. I want to be heard. I just want, I want her to hear me. And I think she wants me to hear her and acknowledge that, you know, we're being heard. I said, I, I think y'all hear each other fine, though. I mean, it sounds like you hear everything she says, and she hears everything you say. What, what, what do you, why do you think y'all keep going back and forth like that? And he was like, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I really don't know. I, you know, I, I, mm -hmm. I said, well, have you ever considered the fact that maybe, just maybe, you want her to do what you said? I want you to do what I want you to do. And that's why y'all are in such strife. And he was like, I never really looked at it like that before. I said, yeah, y'all going back and forth, back and forth because you want her to do what you want her to do. She wants you to do what she wants you to do. And because y'all won't do what each other wants each other to do, that's why y'all clash. <laughs> You don't want to be heard. You don't want to be understood. You want to be minded. You want her to do what you want to do. You, she wants you to do what she wants to do. And because both of y'all won't get off of that, y'all are constantly clashing. It's like two plus two is four. But so is one plus three. So is four plus zero. So is zero plus four. So it's three plus one. And you can break those numbers up even further if you want to. All of those things equal four. You want to go multiply two times two. Four times one. Want to divide eight divided by two. <laughs> Sixteen divided by four. Like, there are all these different ways to get to four. But you are so hell-bent on two plus two, that if she presents to you one plus three, you go on the blows. Solve the problem the way I solve the problem. Do it like I want you to do. Don't do it the way you want to do it. Do it the way I want you to do it. And because y'all are so upset about the method in which to get the four, y'all are constantly going to blows. Instead of realizing, oh shoot, there's multiple ways to get the four. Which way would be the easiest? Which way would be the fastest? Which way would be the best? 
and being able to come to a consensus and deal with the issue and not attack each other. How many of us in our relationships have been so stuck on wanting to do things our way that we get in the way? How many of us are so steeped in doing things the way we want them to be done that we can't get out of our own way when the path to peace, the path to joy, the path to happiness, the path to contentment is staring us right in the face? There are some there's some um some illustrations that show it like this. C.S. Lewis is famous for one when he says that people would much rather spend a day making mud pies in the backyard when the day at the beach is being offered to them. Gonna have fun either way, but which one's gonna provide the more fun? No, I'd rather make my pies in the back my mud pies in the backyard. Thank you very much. We can get so steeped in doing things our way that we get in the way of peace, get in the way of joy, get in the way of, of hope. Some of us are so used to losing, we don't realize when we won. We're so used to being independent that we can't allow someone to help us with something that would ease our burdens ease our pain, ease our suffering, ease our issues. And we have various reasons for that. No doubt about it. Having been probably betrayed before, having been, you know, having given somebody your trust before, and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they just, they just outright just destroyed it. You know, so many different, you know, reasons for why that may be the case. But nevertheless, sometimes the help that we're looking for is staring us right in the face. The joy that we're looking for staring us right in the face. And yet, we want things to happen our way so badly that we get upset and we struggle and we strife because things didn't go the way I want them to go. You're not doing it the way I envisioned you do with it. And we treat God like that too. We pray to God and we ask him, hey, God, can you, we pray to God and we ask him, you know, hey, God, you know, can you, you know, do this for me? Or, hey, God, can you do that for me? And as a result of, you know, our prayers, we, we pray to God and we ask him, hey, can I have this? Or, hey, can I have that? You know, God, can you do this for me? God, can you do that for me? And we go about, you know, God is opening the doors, closing doors, moving us into a certain direction. But it's not the way that God, it's not the way that we saw it happening. And so we get frustrated with him. You didn't do it the way I wanted you to do it, God. That's not how I wanted it. We don't, we don't, God, I, I, I wanted, I wanted it to happen this way. I wanted it to happen that way. Why, why it, it didn't, it didn't happen this way. You know, why did God, I, I don't understand, you know, have, let it happen that way. And so 
God help me to see what you see. And yet, I'm still angry and frustrated with you because you didn't do it the way I wanted you to do it. And so, we find ourselves in a state where we're bucking up against God, who is leading and guiding us into all truth, leading us and guiding us on the path of righteousness, but we want him to guide us our way and not his way. So we buck up against his method instead of thanking him for his providence. Sometimes all we got to do is stand up in the shallow water, but we'll drown in shallow water because we want God to show up for us a certain way. So God, throw me, so God, save me, save me, save me. Stand up. Save me, save me, save me. Here's a life raft. Save me, save me, save me. Here's a boat. Save me, save me, save me. Here's the, here's the, um, the, the Navy SEALs. Save me, save me, save me. Here's, this, here's a battleship. Save me, save me. Here's a crane. Save me, save me. That's not how I wanted your salvation to come. Not how I wanted to be delivered. I want to be delivered a certain way. We'll ask God, God, give me a spouse, but we don't enjoy, we don't, we don't endure the process of becoming the spouse that we need or for our spouse when they come. God, I want to be the CEO, but we don't want to do the work that gets us to the CEO position. We just want to become a CEO today so we don't have to, so we can be lazy and not have to work. We don't want to do the work. We want, we want to, you know, we want to amass fame, but we don't want to go through the process that, that will allow our fame to last. We want to be TikTok famous instead of being, you know, dare I say it, Beyonce famous. Where it took 20 years to get to where she's at. Not, not two, but 20. You know. We want, we want, we want to be, we want things to happen our way, the way that we envision it. And we don't want to take the path that God is leading us on because sometimes that path requires sacrifice, requires trials, requires tribulations. And sometimes this requires us to get over our pride. Just get over our pride, get over ourselves. And allow God to be God. And so for this guy, I told him, listen, just because two plus two equals four does not mean that one plus three doesn't equal four. One plus three equals four too. And maybe if you just extend the olive branch and acknowledge the fact that, yeah, you know, that way works too. Maybe a lot of y'all's arguments would stop. Because you don't want you don't want to be heard. You want her to do what you want her to do. That's not love. That's control. Maybe if y'all come together and talk about how do we want to do this, not what do you think we should do. This is what I think we should do. I don't like your way. Let's do it my way. How do we? want to do this then maybe a lot of y'all's arguments will stop 
It doesn't have to go your way. Sometimes our way ain't the right way. It's, it is a way, but it might not be the right one. And that's okay. Can you relinquish your pride? Can you lay your pride aside? And say, hey, maybe maybe it's not my way. Maybe, maybe there's another way. Maybe there's another path. Another way to get through this. And if, if we can get over ourselves, swallow our pride, swallow our ego, swallow my desire to be right, my desire to continue, you know, to, you know, see things my way, the path to peace, probably closer than we think. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. And more often than not, we find ourselves falling into pride and being consumed by it because we want things to go our way. Burger King messed us up. Have it your way? Nah, bruh. Life don't always work like we're taking pickles and onions off of a burger. Sometimes we got to relinquish our way for Yahweh. I did not coin that, by the way. Sometimes we got to get out of our own way so that we can follow the way. And if we're willing to recognize that, then we could usher, we could be ushered into a greater state of peace. Because God is saying, let me lead you and guide you into all truth. Follow the flow of the Spirit. And in following the flow of the Spirit, we're not saying that, you know, we just let, you know, people just run ramshot all over us. You know, say what we mean and mean what we say, but say it in love, not in control. The problem with the, with the, with, with the man and his wife is that, you know, their attitude was such to where their attitude was such to where they were constantly constantly you know going back and forth with one another going to blows going to blows going to blows going to blows and they couldn't get out of their own way they couldn't get out of their own way to see Yahweh. They couldn't get out of their own way. And so we, the people of God, have to be extra careful that we are not going blow to blow with one another in an attempt to be right, in an attempt to be heard, in an attempt to try to get somebody to do or say what we want them to do and say. We instead, as the people of God, we have to be the ones who are willing to lay our pride aside so that some so that God 
can be glorified. If we're going here, we're going there. Allow God into that space and allow him to do his work. Allow him to do what is necessary so that we can continue to be the light that shines in the darkness. And a lot of our issues and a lot of our hangups and a lot of our um a lot of our um our disagreements, we can find them dissipating simply because rather than desiring to be right, we are desiring to be holy. And in our desire to be holy, we're allowing people to um we're we're allowing God rather to enter into these spaces. And in entering these spaces, we are able to have a deeper relationship with him and allowing him to, to reign and rule in our lives. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Andy D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 3,900 likes that we've received thus far. Keep those likes coming if you so desire. Um, thank you for every like, comment, follow, and share. If you have missed any part of this recording or would like to listen to past episodes, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to all of our episodes from inception to now. We're thankful so for, uh, for you so much. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a judge in, uh, let's see where he's at. He's in the state of California um, who decided, I'm tired of putting kids in prison. So I'm going to put him to work. And so we're going to talk about that and more in just a moment.
You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, we are um, in the state of California right now where a judge said jobs, not jail. Judge got so sick of sending kids to prison, he found a better way. By the year 2000, Judge John Phillips had long since lost count of the number of minors he had sent through the California penitentiary system. Crimes committed during a violent, unguided, and hopeless adolescence. Quote, you send these young people to prison, and they learn to become harder criminals, he said once. In 2003, he set out to find a better way, to get kids in an environment of support where they could pass through these difficult years with a hand on their shoulders. Phillips started Rancho um, Cle um, Cleo at the base of a hill in the town, small town of uh, Salinas, utilizing an old juvenile detention center, ironically, and with a board made up mostly of county supervisors, judges, and law enforcement leaders. And so I want to play this tape for you guys, um, so that way you can see what we are talking about. So I'm going to turn the camera, flipping the camera. I'm going to turn this nifty little thing right here. I think this is the way to turn it. Nope, that's not the way to turn it. Um, this is the way to turn it. And can I get, yep, there it is. There we go. And we're going to hit the play button in three, two, one. Rancho Sierra is kind of a special place. I don't think there's anything quite like it. Young people, uh, so many of them have lost hope. It's not about just getting enough skills so they graduate and get a job. We wanted something that turned young people's lives around and what we were doing wasn't working. When I was saying what we gotta do is, is do something to reach them before we send them to prison and I think the vision of job training and giving them opportunity to get a job and uh, an opportunity, a safe place where they can turn their lives around. I think I was in a space of, I don't have my mother, I don't have my father, who do I have? I have my older brothers, I have my sisters, I have my grandmother, but my grandmother is very busy taking care of almost 10 kids, so I can't turn to her to ask questions. My brothers and sisters were older than me, so I didn't have that kind of like sense of, let me turn to them, you know? So I felt on my own, I did. You know, we started with, 14 kids and, and then it just started growing. None of us realized how much need there was for programs like this. And uh, there wasn't anything like it around here. I felt like school's not gonna be the answer for me. Had my older sister who was about a year older than me, uh, we would look at each other in the morning and be like, hey, you wanna go to school? No, all right, let's go somewhere. So we'll walk to the bus and then we'll just turn around and go to the mall. We'll turn around and go to the library. We had two classrooms. We were maxed out. A number of parents came to me and said, we have to get our kid in the program. I said, well, we don't have any more resources for it. And you ever take a look at a parent's eyes where you can tell they see we're losing our kid and there's nothing we can do about it. It's, uh, I've done that too many times. And so I talked to the carpenters who were working on campus. What do we have to do to convert the 
meeting room, convert that to a classroom. We made a few changes there. I got another bus painted, brought it in, and we got another instructor, and within a week, we had another classroom. I remember having a conversation with a friend, and she said, hey, um, remember you like to cook? There's a school that just opened up. It's kind of like a silver star. You could um, get credits in the class, and then one week you're in the kitchen. I was like, that sounds great. And I mentioned it in Chimps before. There's this place called Ramtrocello that I really want to go to. Um, I'm planning on um, going down there next week and asking if I could join. And they're like, hey, I know Ramtrocello. And the judge was like, you should go there. I'm going to sign a referral for you to go to Ramtrocello. And then I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was kind of like a little um, starstruck in a way. I was like, okay, let me try it out. This is the Ted Taylor Vocational Center. It'll house four major vocational uh, schools, uh, welding, fabrication, tractor mechanics, uh, automotive mechanics, screen construction. It will train these young people for jobs and vocations, a lot of the jobs that are going unmet in our county. Doors should be open in February. We're hopeful that uh, at the time, kind of the roundup, I'm going to invite everybody over here to the next day, take a walk through and see the Ted Taylor Vocational Center. When I got to Rancho Cielo, I had mentioned to them, hey, I kind of want to go back to regular high school. I want to go to prom. I want to go to um, Disneyland. I wanted to graduate. And they're like, sure, let's try it out. Do your best you can in the classroom. Do your best you can in the kitchen. At the end of that year, I graduated with a culinary certificate. I had the opportunity to go back to regular high school my senior year with a ton of credits. I went to Disneyland. I went to my prom night. I, and I graduated from regular high school. Um, I love Rancho Cielo for that because they kind of like put me back on the right track like if I never messed up. And they kind of like gave me a fresh start. Anthony's like a number of other graduates we've had here that uh, I, I think is well on his way to a really bright future. Rancho Cielo gave me mentors that believed in me. It gave me hope. It gave me a chance. They listened when no one was listening. The judge, he's kind of a, a father figure for those who don't have a father. He's kind of an uncle to those who don't have an uncle. He can even be a brother to those who don't have a brother. He's just there to listen and to help. This place has changed me in that I'm looking at the potential of these young people versus uh, you committed a bad crime and we're going to send you away. I never had an adult say this until Rancho Cielo. You're doing a good job. I'm proud of you. And that was kind of like a changing moment in my life. I never had someone say, hey, I'm proud of you. And then ever since I left Rancho Cielo, started doing a lot more things and I hear it now a lot. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. And every time I hear those words, I'm proud of you, I think around Cielo. Because they were the first ones to say that. And that's what someone at my age at the time needed to hear. I'm proud of you.
again. So that's Rancho Cello, um, and that is in the state of California. And what it just um, reminds me of is, as we've said many times before, that, you know, sometimes when you can't see the good, you got to be the good. And for a lot of us, and for a lot of us, you know, we may not have had an opportunity or a chance to be able to, you know, make it in this world without someone reaching out and saying, hey, I believe in your potential. Let's do something with it. And so, um, and so it brought my heart a whole lot of joy to see, um, you know, that this judge who could have very easily have just said, you know what, they, they committed a crime, they got to do the time. They committed a crime, you got to do the time. Instead, it was like, no, these kids need a chance. They, they need a chance, and we can provide them with one if we put them in a place and put them in a situation where they're able to be, you know, to, to give them an opportunity. Um, and so I'm grateful for programs like that that are willing to give children a chance um, to figure things out because sometimes, you know, kids are a product of your environments, man. Like, they, don't, they literally do not know any better. And because that's the situation or the circumstance and they've been overlooked or they've been, you know, mistreated in some type of way and they're acting out, you know, sometimes it's just if someone could just see them, you know, and show them the potential that they have in them, that they have in themselves, then you can imagine, you know, the things that they'll be able to accomplish and achieve in their lives. And so once again, it's just an opportunity for us to be reminded that if we can't see the good, let's be the good, man. Let's go. What can we do? What can we do to make, you know, lives better for the people around us? You might not have millions of dollars. You might not have, you know, hella resources or anything of that sort. But there's something that you can do with the God, with the God-given talent, the God-given ability, and the God-given um connections that you do have to make a difference for somebody else um like i've told my, my, my wife told has told me so many times over you know just it with doing like doing things online you know you never know who's paying attention to what you're doing you never know who's being inspired by you to want to go and achieve their dreams and achieve their goals and do the things that they want to do and and all it takes is just you stepping out and doing what god has given you to do you know, and so, um, thank God for, you know, this judge, um, and I want to make sure, I want to make sure I, I give him a shout out, um, what's this guy's name, um, John Phillips, John, we want, we want to give John Phillips, you know, his flowers, man, I'm, we're, we're thankful that he, you know, was inspired by, inspired, hopefully led by God, but even if he wasn't led by God, God orchestrated that thing the way that he did, and, you know, he's helped a lot of kids um, to, you know, to, you know, get out of their situations and to, you know, better themselves and to provide themselves opportunities and for them to see the light that shines in them. Because, uh, again, a lot of times our lights can be snuffed out by the darkness of the world that we live in, the situations and the circumstances that we're born in. And so we thank God that someone, you know, became the hands and feet of Jesus, whether he was wanting to or not, um, in his heart. Um, but allowing people to be inspired to do great things, these young people to not, you know, um, stay in their situations and instead were able to be able to, um, see the potential within themselves and be able to shine that light and be that light. 
And we thank God that he has given these kids this opportunity to be able to get out there and make something of themselves and to, you know, see their potential and be able to provide an opportunity and, and expunge their records so that way they're not being labeled as, you know, criminals or, you know, or, 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 um, you know, or, you know, thugs or anything like that. But instead, they're good men and women that are trying to do a right, trying to do the right thing and maybe just got caught up in a bad situation or a bad circumstance in some type of way. And so, again, we're just thankful um, that he um, that he was inspired and in doom in being inspired, decided let's not feed these kids through the prison system no more, man. Let's let's put them to work. Let's you know let's, let's provide them opportunities. Let's you know show them that they have potential. And like he said, like Judge um, Phillips said, you know, as he was helping them, they helped him, you know, because he got to see change. And got to see that they're not just criminals. They're not just bad people. They're not just, you know, bad kids, troubled kids who are hard-headed. Rather, you know, they just need a chance. And why not give them one? If we got the money, we got the resources, we got the personnel, why can't we be the difference? Let, let, us, let us do something about it. You know, if no one else will, why not us? And so, again, saying all that to say, if you are feeling led and inspired to do something, you know, don't be afraid to put to put yourself out there. You never know how successful you can be at making a difference in someone else's lives. If you are a person who is in need of, you know, of, of inspiration, you know, holler, holler at somebody, man, you know, um, but at the end of the day, recognize if you can't see that good, be that good. And so again, we give Judge John Phillips his flowers today. Um, he is, he is our, um, our, the, he and the Rancho, um, um, Slello is our, um, um, our something praiseworthy today. And so we're thankful that God thought it not Robbie to give us this opportunity to be able to, um, to, to lift him up, um, and be inspired by his, um, um, uh, by his example, um, to go out there and be the good because in being, in being the good, we are showing that God is good. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to drop down in that comment box below and let us know what you are thinking or what you are um, what you are feeling right now. Um, I'm going to go through some of the questions that were asked throughout the show. Um, again, as I always say, if you have any questions or comments, you got to stay to the end in order to get the answer to the questions. And for a lot of folk, you know, our attention span ain't but for two minutes at a time. And so for a lot of folk on the show, they're probably not going to hear the answers to the questions. But I did get as many questions as I could during our breaks. And so we got a good set of them here right now. And I'm going to go through them until we get to the end of the show. If you have any further questions or comments or concerns, feel free to drop down in that comment box and let me know what you are thinking, and I'll be more than happy to answer any and all questions that you guys have until it's time for me to get off the show on today. Um, the first question that was asked was, "Is what is a good book to deal with stagnation and instability? Um, I got about four, I got one, two, three, four good books um, on my bookshelf that um, that I think have helped me to deal with stagnation and, um, and, and instability. Um, one is called How's Your Soul um, by Judah Smith. Um, it does a really good job of, do, of us taking an introspection of our hearts and asking the question, you know, not how's our day, you know, how's our job, 
you know, how's our lives, but rather how is our soul, the most important part of us, because we tend to neglect the most important part of who we are. We are souls that are inhabiting bodies and, uh, and, not, and not bodies. And so we should take care of our souls first and foremost. Um, and in doing so, it may lead us to, um, to further, you know, stability and purpose. Um, another book, good book to read is Follow Me by David Platt. Um, it helps us to understand, you know, discipleship. Um, and what it means to really follow Jesus Christ um, and, and how to um, have a deeper relationship with him as it pertains to our discipleship um, and, um, and, and being more like Christ every single day. Um, how to Ruin Your Life um, by Eric Geiger, I think is the, um, is the, um, is the author. Um, he does a good job of reminding us of what complacency can do, what stagnation can do, what it has the potential to breed. And so um, it does a really good job of, of reminding us that we have to be active in our pursuit of um, putting sin to death and delighting in God and be careful not to grow stagnant. He uses the example of David as he, um, you know, um, uh, basically, I'm going to say assaulted Bathsheba um, because that was not a willful act that Bathsheba participated in with him. Um and then had um, her husband killed so that he could take her in as his wife and, and not have to deal with the fact that he that she was pregnant um, by him. Um, and so he uses that to show us how complacency and stagnation has the potential to ruin our lives here on earth and how to be redeemed from any type of ruin we may have caused in our lives. Recovering redemption is another one um, that shows us the path of sanctification. Um and helps us to be in active pursuit of our walk with God as he, as he reminds us that our greatest joy should come from deepening our relationship with the Lord and not just from, um, you know, these uh, earthly pursuits that we have in this world. Um, um, showing us through the example of Solomon that you can pursue anything in this world and at the end of the day it's all going to be meaningless if you don't have a relationship with the Lord. Um, and so those are the four books. How's your soul? Follow me. How to Ruin Your Life, and Recovering Redemption. Um, the next question that was asked was, how would Jesus' people, people be free from captivity? Um, the captivity that we are seeking freedom from is a spiritual captivity and bondage. Um, as um, it says in, I think it's either Romans, I think it's Romans 6, that we are slaves to sin um, when we are given our bodies over to sin. And so God has done the ransoming work to redeem us. And in redeeming us, he's freed us from a spiritual bondage. We are free in the spirit. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that we'll be free in the natural. Because sometimes, again, you got people that are in prison who are literally not free. And yet they are free in their souls because they have a strong relationship with the Lord. So you, it's better to have a freed spirit while in physical bondage than to be physically free but in spiritual bondage and so the spiritual captivity we are freed from and we are looking we're longing for the day when god will usher us into the new heavens and the new earth and in doing so will allow us the opportunity to be able to worship him in spirit and in truth um the question is asked will a physical jesus come yes revelation is it good to keep secrets um, it depends on what the secret is, depends on what you're keeping it for, 
and depends on you know um the intention behind it um i um personally don't ascribe to secret keeping um and but i but i also look to rahab who hid the spies that was a secret he's like i don't know what spies y'all talking about you know that was a secret and it was kept in order for the spies to get back to Egypt, to get back to Israel. And then when they came back, um, well, not to Israel, but um, back to you know their camp. And then they, when they took Jericho, you know Rahab and the family was you know taken in, and they became a part of the genealogy of, of Christ. You know, which is uh, so uh, chef's kiss when it comes to stuff like that. Um, but um, but yeah, so yeah, so something again, it depends on what the secret is, um, you know, what you're keeping it for, um, what the intent is behind it. Um, and so, so, so again, it depends on, you know, if you want to give more specificity to that, um, what the, what the secret actually is that you're referring to. Um, Sorry for that quick technical difficulty there. Um, sorry for that quick technical difficulty. Um, but um, so the question was asked, um, how do you know the difference between the Holy Spirit and the adversary talking to you? How do you how can you tell the difference between the Holy Spirit and the adversary talking to you? Um, in order to know God's voice, you have to know his word. Um, God will never speak to you in a way that contradicts his word and contradicts what he says in the scriptures. And so we have to be mindful that if we are, if we have a relationship with the Lord, if we have a relationship with him, if we want to know whether or not he's speaking to us, we need to know his scriptures. And so the more you dive into the word, the more you'll be able to recognize his voice. The more you're able to recognize his voice, the more you'll be able to discern what it is that he's saying. And so what we so what we say to anyone who's trying to decide, you know, is this the Holy Spirit talking to me? Is it myself talking to me? Is it the adversary talking to me? Is what's being said to you, does that line up with scripture? Furthermore, if you want to get really froggy about it, does it line up with the gospel? Does it line up with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because if it does, then more than likely, it is the Holy Spirit. But if it doesn't, then more than likely, it's not. Be patient. Don't try to rush trying to figure out who it is that's speaking. Allow God to minister to you in such a way to where you can discern for certain whether or not it is the voice of God or whether it is the voice of the adversary. You don't have to make rash decisions just because it feels like the right thing. Unless God prompts you to make a rash act. Um, and so to know whether it's the voice of God versus the spirit, uh, versus the, um, versus the, um, come on, come on, come on, come on, versus the adversary, we have to study the scriptures enough to where we know what God's voice sounds like, where we know what God's voice sounds like. The more you know God's voice, the easier it will be to be able to discern whether or not it's him or something else speaking to you about whatever it is that you're that you're um that you're about to get into at the time, and so that is how we know. 
the more you hear, the more you read the scriptures, the more you're able to discern his voice. And the more you're able to discern his, the discern his voice, the more you're able to verify it through the scriptures. Again, going back to that relationship we talked about before. God, the scriptures. God, the scriptures. God, the scriptures. They're going cyclical over and over and over again. And so, again, that's how we know. That's how we know whether or not it's God speaking to us or not. Someone asked the question, why do TikTok preachers block or mute someone who asks questions under the guise of you're disrespectful? Um, I can't speak for everybody, but I will speak for me. There are two reasons why you'll get a mute button from me. One, um, you're saying something that has the potential to get me banned. And I'm working really, really hard to not get banned. Um, because we, you know, we got this, we got this, you know, this good gospel message that we want to get out to as many people as want to hear it. And so, you know, I work diligently to try to make sure that I don't get, you know, shadow banned by TikTok because once you get shadow banned, you know, it's really hard to get out of that space. Um, and we want to try to get the word to as many people as we possibly can, um, every day that we're on. And so one of the reasons why you might get the mute button is because we're fighting not to get banned, you know? You know, you know, so many people are able to get on these platforms to do all sorts of type of salacious things, but they never get a ban button. But the minute we start talking about Jesus and the pardoning of sins, people want to get mad and want to get offended and all this other type of stuff and say all sorts of wonky things. And then we end up getting punished for it, not because we didn't say it, but they said it because they said it. Now we're in trouble for it. And. We get banned for it. So if you get a mute button for me, it, that may be one reason why you got it. Because you said something that has potential to get us banned, and we ain't trying to get banned. And so if you say something out of pocket, then we got to mute you. So that way TikTok don't be looking at us like, well, they let them stay on there and say that nasty stuff on their thing. So we're going to kick them off, you know. So again, try not to get banned. Number two, because you were disrespectful. Like, come on, bro. Like, that's why, because you were disrespectful. Listen, I, 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 I don't like saying this because it's not mine. Like I, I de This show is dedicated to God. It's all God's work. It's all God's doing. And so I'm not trying to take any type of credit for anything that I got going on here. This is his show. This is his stuff. Nevertheless, you were disrespectful. So that's why you got muted because yes, this is my life and the purpose for the show is not to come out of, it's not to come in and get out of pocket with y'all. Like I, I, you have some people who make it their mission to get on here and say things like, I believe in God, prove me wrong. Or God, you know, um, God hates abortion, prove me wrong. And they literally are on there to debate with people. Go back and forth and be disrespectful and be mean and be haughty and all that type of stuff. That's not, again, this is talking about this show, not my intention. I have no desire to debate with people, have no desire to get in arguments, have no desire to be hateful, spiteful, you know. But a lot of people will come on this show for that purpose. That one dude I had to ban from the show because he was like, 
you know, um, I, I get on, I get on your live because I have to expose the ridiculousness of anyone who's following after some fairy god in the sky. Why? Why is that your mission? Why have you made that your life's work? And why are you on here doing it? Like, go someplace else. Like, you don't have to be here to do that. And again, because that's your mission, thank you for exposing yourself. So now I can hit you with that band because that ain't what we about. And so if you get a, if you get muted, it's because you were being disrespectful. <laughs> like, that's why you got muted. And so now, so if you want to be in your feelings about, I could say what I want to say. How dare you mute me? Well, that's not very Christ-like. First of all, you don't like Jesus to begin with. So what would you know about being Christ-like in the first place? Let's talk about that part. But the second and more importantly, why are you coming out of pocket to elicit or, or to solicit a response from somebody? Like, what, like, why, why is that? Why are you making that your life's work? And so again, you know, if, if, if you being disrespectful, you gonna get the mute. And again, and 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 I didn't even and, and again the in the third reason in the third the third reason for it for me is I do not want, or at least for this show, I do not want us as Christians to weaponize our Christianity to beat up anybody. So I'll mute people who are Christians. I'll mute people who are Christians because they'll weaponize our faith in an attempt to try to hurt other people. They'll hurt other people. And so, you know, you'll have people who will, you know, start just spouting off scripture after scripture after scripture in an attempt to try to prove a point and improving the point, they're not really trying to prove anything, you know, of substance. They're really just trying to show chest and show that I'm big and bad. That's not what this show is about. And so, you know, I'm not. This ain't just just a, a, a means of trying to mute unbelievers. We'll mute believers too, because what we don't want to do is to be what so many people have a problem with in the church in the first place: is beating people up with scriptures beating people up with Jesus and feeling justified because, you know, it's, you know, I got the right because they're wrong. Like, dude, that's not the type of grace that God showed us. He was gracious to us. He was kind to us. And so again, we say all that to say, we say all that to say, you know, if you do receive a mute button, it's for one of those three reasons. One, you came way out of pocket and we're trying not to get banned. Two, you were downright disrespectful. Like, you you said some really off-the-cuff stuff. And three, because we're not, this show, this particular show, is not going to be a show that beats, that beats people up. We, we're, not, we're not beating people up in our faith. And so, Bruce Moore says, I thought you were encouraged to contend for your faith. Contending for the faith is different than beating people up. Contending for the faith is different than getting into frivolous arguments with people. And on this show, we're not we're not about that. Like I don't mind answering questions. This is why I got a whole bunch of questions right here. 
that people were asking throughout the show. But this show isn't a back and forth, you know, until the very end, which is what you guys are seeing right now, these last 10 minutes. And because of that, you know, we don't want this show to be like all the other TikTok lives where we're sitting around beating people up with scripture and beating people up with this and beating people up with that. But instead, we wish to share the gospel in its various forms so that people can then make up their own minds about what they feel and what they believe and know to be true about the li about our, our, our living, our living, true and living God. And so, again, you know, how we contend for the faith is we just give people Jesus. Just give people Jesus. Again, you know, I'm grateful for every person that shows up. I write down every question that people ask. May not get to every question every day. But at the end of the day, what we do here is we're trying to share, uh, spread the gospel, shine the light in the darkness so that somebody can see the light of Jesus and make a decision about what they want to do with the with the, um with with what with the with the info that we give them um but that's why you might get the mute button you know if you come out of pocket you know if you are disrespectful for the sake of being disrespectful like that is your life's mission is to be disrespectful then you know nice little mute so yeah man so again um, just to go back to this last question that we had, that was asked, um, some good books to um, deal with um, stagnation and instability. One more time before we get off the live. How's Your Soul by Judah Smith. Follow Me by David Platt. How to Ruin Your Life by Eric Geiger. And Recovering Redemption by Matt Chandler. Those four books are the books you want to get into if you really want to understand stagnation in the faith and, um, and how to deal with instability. Um, because those four books will help to kind of kind of right the ship, so to speak, get us back on focus. Um, when it talks about you know the tension between putting sin to death and living for God, um, that is how we go about doing those things. And so again, how's your soul? Follow me. How to ruin your life and recovering redemption are the four books that you want to look at in, in that regard. Um, and so. Hope that that was helpful to the one who asked the question earlier today. Um, listen, I want to thank each and every last one of y'all from the bottom of my heart for coming on the live on today. Every like, every comment, every follow, every share. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to watch the show today. Feel free to come back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. for another edition of the True Gospel Morning Show. As I always say, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.
right. Welcome to Overtime here on the True Gospel Morning Show. Certainly do appreciate